Handelsbanken is a local relationship bank built on satisfied customers, financial strength and sustainable values. Find out more at handelsbanken.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Handelsbanken Insights. I'm Daniel Marnie. We had a whole load of data published last week, some surprises in there, so let's dive straight into that. As always, I'm joined by James Sprawl, Handelsbank and UK's Chief Economist. So James, looking at those data sets, let's start on the growth picture. We had GDP figures out for last quarter last year. We seem to be in recession and also there seems to have been quite a big drop in GDP per capita over 2023. Was that a surprise? Thanks, Daniel. Uh, no, it wasn't particularly a surprise. Of course, we had had the GDP data for Q3 as minus 0.1. That was a revised figure. It had been actually um, 0.0 at one point, and then the, the new figures came through. These things do get revised both up and down all the time. So it may well be that we find over the course of 2024 that we didn't slip into recession. But for the moment, we quite clearly did on the, on the data have a very, very mild recession in the second half of last year. So one of the key things there is that we had, because already, as we'll discuss in a moment, we're seeing some evidence that it's probably unlikely to continue on into Q1 of this year. But what sat behind all of that? Well, there were a number of different things going on uh, in, in the UK economy as a whole. Um, we've seen, certainly seen consumers being a little bit more subdued. We've seen things like uh, they don't want to go for big ticket items. So car sales were looking a bit lethargic. Um, that's typically what happens when people are feeling nervous. We saw some issues with the ability of people to spend money. So whether that be as a result of tax increases or whether it be a result of consumer confidence, whether it be a result of those energy prices whilst falling, still being relatively high, all of which contributed to a bit of a slowdown over the latter half of last year. Okay, of course, we also on Friday had some retail sales figures out. We had terrible figures in December, but these figures showed what happened in January. Were there any positive green shoots in those figures? Yeah, I think there were two things to point out about the retail sales. First of all, we've, we've always been very, very keen to look at how online retail sales fared in comparison to uh, overall retail sales. Now, before the pandemic, there were about 20% of retail sales. They've gone up to about 25%. We think that's probably where they're, gonna, you know, they're not going to fall below that. There's been some new behaviors learned by people, and so we expect that to go on. And also does help uh, many people get better value for money because oftentimes in retail sales, if you want to shop around a lot, it's always easier to shop around online. The other thing we see, of course, going on is that uh, the retail sales in January did pop up. Now, we had had a particularly poor December, and we had quite a good November. A lot of people did their Christmas shopping a little bit early. But this January, again, looking at our annual level, this January against last January, they're popping up. And I think that's one of the things that, that says to us that consumer confidence, which we'll get another print later this week, but consumer confidence is looking a bit better, and that should help us make sure that we don't slide into recession and only be two quarters long, i.e. the last two quarters of last year, not into 2024. So we, we are on schedule for a mild recovery over the course of this year. And of course, real wages are growing and in turn, disposable incomes are going up. So presumably that will help prop up consumer spending. Yeah, just looking at those data on employment, I think there's two things. First of all, overall employment still looks good. And it's, it's quite interesting to see that in, in light of the fact that we were in this mild recession and we've seen sort of labor markets remaining relatively tight. And one of the things that's going to help the UK economy over 2024 has been that we have not seen a significant spike upwards in unemployment. And of course, when people become unemployed, they, they have to obviously pull back a lot and other people get scared. So they start to pull back on their spending a lot. Um, and it also means that when you come out of that, it takes time because companies have got to find the new people, got to train the new people. 
if they've done what some economists call labor hoarding, and I would just say this is a more mature uh, attitude between both workers and employers as, as far as retaining people's skills, et cetera, within a company, that means the recovery can come that much faster. And so I suspect that we'll see some pretty good stuff coming through as a result of all of that. You know, people less nervous, people therefore willing to start spending faster than they would have had they had a spell of unemployment overall. The other thing that's really important on all of this is looking what's happening with nominal wages and real wages. And so nominal wages falling quite quickly, it was never going to fall as fast as uh, oil prices fall. Now, we, we all watch oil prices, you know, the price per barrel comes out of the news, watch the newspaper, whatever else. Now, that's very volatile, much more volatile than people's uh, salaries, quite naturally. And the result of that is, of course, that inflation is more volatile than people's salaries. But so what's going on right now? Well, quite clearly, we are seeing the nominal wage prices falling away quite quickly, but not as quickly as I say as inflation. That means that real wages are going up. Now, are they going up so fast that the MPC is going to start to get really worried? My suspicion is, well, no, they shouldn't be. And it, we're not talking about wages getting well out of hand. We're talking about sub 2%. Yes, of course, that may be a bit ahead of where productivity is at the moment. I suspect productivity is going to have a bit better year than we, the markets were expecting. All of this says to me that this should be containable within a broader picture of where the economy is going over the next couple of years. It's also important to realize, of course, one of the, the foundations of the economic recovery that we're looking for this year is as a result of those better wages. So when people feeling a bit better about the fact they've got rising actual real incomes is going to be a big contributing factor to the economy as a whole recovery. Yeah. So obviously it, it's good that real wages are growing at the moment, but you did point out that nominal wages are falling, but perhaps not quite down to a level that the NBC will be comfortable with, which I think nicely turns on to the inflation print that we saw on Wednesday. Uh, so inflation stayed flat at 4%, but I think that was actually better than what markets were expecting. Yes, and I think there's a couple of important things on the inflation thing here. First of all, the Bank of England is now forecasting that they're going to meet their, in headline terms, target of 2% inflation in Q2 of this year, so really very soon, but that the core inflation is not going to be falling down to that level. And I think that's that's absolutely true, and, and I suspect it's, it's largely as a result of energy that's coming, coming down. But if you've got, say, inflation, maybe it hasn't, in, in, in core level of inflation, uh, isn't quite down to your target level yet. You don't to leave interest rates at five and a quarter percent. You certainly want to have them perhaps above their neutral level, but we estimate the neutral level is two and a half. So there's quite a lot of difference there. You can start to, to reduce rates quite a lot over the course of 2024. And we've got three reductions starting in June uh, to four and a half by year end. All of that remains in place, even if we aren't actually hitting the numbers that we would ideally like to see in terms of whether it's core inflation or or the wage rises, because they are still on the way down and looking like, yes, you're above above target, but not very far above target. And that doesn't warrant really quite high interest rates in real terms, which is, of course, uh, what we have at the moment. Okay, James, well, let's pivot to um, an item on commercial property and particularly property yields. We typically uh, conclude these uh, episodes with some kind of property related issue. Um, I know you've been looking at yields and how they've changed over time across different asset classes and also the differences within the asset classes. Uh, can you just outline what you found? So yes, let's look at property and let's divide the property up into into its two basic components, which is to say commercial and residential. There's a various various ways that people look at property valuations. They can look at income devaluations. They can look at wealth effect. They can look at momentum. What's happening at the property? the The biggest one that we think the most important one is all about uh, the yield. And 
it's as truism within property that property must always, always, always yield more than a guilt. To get money out of a guilt, all you simply sit on your hands. And to get money out of property, there are more risks. There's the risk of voids. There's the risk of difficult tenancies. There's the risk of having to put a lot of investment into a property to bring up standard, whether that's environmental uh, regulations or whether that's just wear and tear on the buildings. All of this has to be paid for. There is a bigger risk, and therefore they need to yield more. Now, typically, historically, residential properties yielded about 4% more than a gilt, and commercial properties yielded about 5% more than a gilt. But in recent years, that's dropped to between 1% and 2%. So we now need to see a correction, and that correction can come in a number of different ways. One of the ways, of course, is to see rents increase. One of the ways is to see capital values fall. One of the ways is to see um, gilt yields change. Now, we've seen all of those coming through right now. Gilt yields have adjusted, and therefore there's a little bit less uh, distance to make between uh, where we might have had to make uh, make up in ground in there. One of the key things here is, of course, both rental yields, both in, in terms of residential, but also in terms of commercial property, have gone up. Have they gone up enough to give you that premium back? The answer seems to be no, not quite yet. And therefore, we think there's more capital value adjustment to come through and all of that. Now, for residential property, um, because there's a lot of emotion within that, because many times it's people's biggest asset, it adjusts particularly slowly. But for commercial property, where very often what we're talking about here is the, the, the valuation of a fund, and that fund manager has to um, readjust their valuation every quarter, uh, it does happen relatively quickly. And we've seen a lot of that coming through in the data right now. The other thing we've seen is we're looking at um, the, the 25th and 75th percentile, i.e. if we look at a, a range of properties worth 25% of the average ones worth 75th of the, the entire index, uh, and therefore higher value properties, what's been happening there? And the answer is, in all cases, we have seen the yields correcting and starting to see the yields being driven up. And those yields are being driven up, as I say, by corrections to the capital value. So we see, started to see you know, continuing capital revaluations coming through in the market as a whole. We're going to do a lot more investigation of this in coming weeks, and undoubtedly we'll be having lots more to tell you about what's been going on. But for the moment, what we can say is, it's not simply a case of looking at you know, APC valuation can be mapped over against a rental yield, that is not the case at all. We're not anywhere to that level of granularity and being able to make that sort of uh, assumption across the piece. But what we can say is that a lot of the adjustment that we're, we've been looking to be made has been made, although there's probably a little bit further to go. Great. Thanks so much, James, for those insights as always. And if you've liked what you've heard, don't forget to raise us on the app where you're listening because it helps other people find us and you may also want to share this episode on social media. We look forward to you tuning in next time. <laughs>